Welcome back to a brand new episode of Colorful Lies presented by State Farm. Woo-hoo. If this is your first time tuning in, shame on you. But thank you for joining us. <laughs> I'm Angela Yee, and with me, as always, is my shmoney team. I'm Anatu So and millennial money expert Tanya Rapley of MyFab Finance. Hi, y'all. Now, we always start with our accountability check-in. Ooh. Okay, guys. So, Tanya's set it off. Yeah. So, wrenching the plan. So, Uh I think last time I was telling you guys about how we had to restructure our taxes and everything because when you work for yourself and you try to play the man, sometimes you get played. So, me and my husband realized that we're just going to have to wait until next year and do our taxes right the next two years. Okay. And so, yeah. So, it was a bummer for me initially, but I have a great real estate agent. It's a learning experience. It was. And she was awesome. She was like, you know, we can get you into something now, but your interest rate is going to be higher. and You're going to have to put more money down and it's not an ideal situation. Or we can file your taxes this year and next year as they need to be filed and you'll be in a much better position. And you'll be able to save up a whole lot more money for that down payment. So, we'll also lower your interest rate and your payment. So we've been so I one of the things I've re, um, refocused on is just like aggressively eliminating debt. So I am still working on that. Today before I came in here, I paid off another credit card in full. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. So and last week I paid off uh, my private student loan in full. So I yes. just been eliminating yes. stuff. Like I'm just like get it, it out of here. Like <laughs> right. get it out. If we're gonna have this time, I'm not furnishing a house. I'm just gonna go ahead and pay this off. So um, a slight wrench in that plan. But by next time we, our accountability plan, I have something else to fill in that because you guys are really inspiring me to like be on my P's and Q's. I feel like I haven't had that. I'm that for everybody else, but I don't have that for myself. No, what? And this could really be a blessing for you. You never know because yeah. it just gives you more time to get stuff together and you know, I've heard from my real real estate agent who sold me my house. She was telling me because I was talking about buying another property. She said I should wait till the middle of next year because the market is starting to actually <sighs> even things are out happening. and go back to where it's supposed to be because it was so inflated. Things, yes, so we'll things see. are happening. And I, this, you is, know, this is good, Tanya. I feel like, you know, you learn something really important. You're going to have mm-hmm. your taxes done right. And more yep. importantly, you know, you got to stay flexible in life. Like you yeah. can't always... Um, it's actually like a blessing to be like, I can't have the thing that I want right now, but I can still keep working towards exactly. that goal. And with and my fat finance, I'm always telling people not now doesn't mean not ever. Exactly. And I had to take my own advice. Like I really right. had to sit back and be like, okay, you tell people this all the time. There's a reason this isn't happening right now. Maybe Just, the baby wants to help pick the place. Uh, that's what's going on. The baby wants to. The baby. The baby wants to write you a check. <laughs> the baby's like, I don't you know, like this the baby one. might just bring in a little more money for this. Listen, you know? <laughs> baby fab finance is gonna come out with a checkbook, so it's all good. Yeah, money baby. The money baby. baby. <laughs> I listen. I am. I think like another lesson here too is just how so many of these financial decisions just build on each other. Yeah. Something where you're like, oh, my tax, like, you know, you thought you that was taken care of. You think you get away of. with it. Right. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes, honestly, it's not even that. It's just that, like, the, these things are complicated, right? Like we're we're the we're the experts, and we're still figuring it out. Right. Yeah, so it's a, it was a real lesson. So you Patience take is it, a virtue. Yeah, so you should take that to heart. I am a lesson. Um, so. I am I am really really proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you guys. So yeah, that's where I'm at. But yeah, I'll have another goal to fill into that as a seat filler next time. Okay, I love it, Amina. Um, listen, I am killing it this week. Yes, I have, I have paid off the last of my medical bills. Wow, yes. that is a party over here. I am done. I don't That's owe so the hospital good. any money. Um, medical debt is really serious. Where it's it's the main reason that a lot of millennials actually go into debt, and I feel really lucky that I don't have that hanging over my mm-hmm. head anymore. 
And it also like for me, it just feels like, okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm like healthy. I'm back to normal, killing it. Paid off all of my credit cards in full for the first time yes. all year That's because of feeling. aforementioned <laughs> medical debt. Yeah. And I watched my credit score skyrocket. Just, and yeah. I was like, I'm so happy. Um, I'm trying to get an 800 credit score, even though it's like a, stu- it's a stupid goal. It's like, I it's have not. really, it's, it's like, I have really, goal. it's just like a, one of those things where it's like the, the credit score that I have now, like nothing, it's not going to make a sizable difference if I get to 800. So it's really just an OCD. Nothing number. Just, having a goal. It's yeah. an OCD numbers thing. It's something to work towards. And it takes a long time. And I'm like, I'm going to get there. It doesn't take a long. I think you'll get there, especially paying off that medical debt. That's yeah, no, major. A med- lot of people don't even pay off. Just the, the fact debt. that you had that debt and were able to pay it off is going to be amazing. I for know. your credit score that's if, great. you know but even just for my own spirit it feels so good mm-hmm. I was like oh like I like this chapter of my life is done I I settled it down like everything is good and the thing that's exciting about paying off all that debt it means that I can go back to my aggressive savings goal mm-hmm. which and, is your salary right yeah mm-hmm. and it felt so good to instead of like giving that money to like the hospital or to credit cards to be like this Give went it into yourself. I gave it I put it in my savings account and I was like this is the jam and I got a really high interest uh, savings account, which means I have to keep a really high balance. Yeah, I have that too. <laughs> one of my accounts too. And I'm in like, order, oh. in order to not for the whole system not to fall apart. But um, it just it feels it feels good. So like yeah. I, uh, that's my small victory for the week. That's, that's a, a great big victory. victory. That's, that's not a small one. Yeah, don't play small in here. That's amazing. I've just I've been carrying this since last December, so it just feels good to be like I'm like I can't believe it. I need you to sit in how amazing that accomplishment <sighs> is because last December there are people who have medical debt from like high school or like you know from college injuries and they're you know about near retirement or whatever so that's just amazing that you focused doubled down and got rid of that so that you can move on with the rest of your financial goals well Tanya and Amina y'all are popping yes what's going on Angela (laughs) Amanda Yee Angela I know you've been popping too well you know we did speak about me getting my life insurance because I was the only one here who didn't have I have to admit, I was very ashamed the beneficiary? about it. <laughs> Were you Me? ashamed? I'm I was sorry. ashamed. Am I your beneficiary? <laughs> <sighs> well, I'll give you a little something. Thank you. <laughs> but you know what? I did meet with... Um, State Farm and they did talk to me about cash value life insurance which is something that I wasn't Mm -hmm. educated on at all so I can admit that you know there's a lot of things that I've been all learning we're all learning doing Mm -hmm. really well with but that was one thing I didn't know about that I actually am in the process of getting all that taken care of and you know when I met with um, the State Farm agent we also talked about just going over everything that we have as far as your car insurance policy and just every bill that you have and sitting down and just trying to make sure you have all the right insurance. And so that was something that was a goal for me and a real eye opener. So I did do that. Um, I've started my running club. So that's exciting for me as well. Yes. And I have to say, you know, it's nice because for me, I always used to be a runner. I used to run seven miles a day and I have been putting things off because I've been so busy and I always have excuses of why I'm not doing it and it definitely has taken a toll on me just mentally and physically so it's nice for me to be able to go out Get and, back. Yeah, yeah. and make time for that because sometimes we act like certain things like taking care of yourself is not as important as making sure I get to work when I'm supposed to be there do these yeah. appearances do these interviews but taking care of yourself has to fit into that schedule as Absolutely. well so it's, yeah. another if you're point, not, it's another part yeah. of investing in yourself because yeah. if you're not if you're not taking care of then you're not going to handle business the way you need to Plus, I'm going to make sure my life insurance isn't (laughs) (laughs) on. 
Get the best premium yeah, possible. Best premium. See you are at you the track on Saturday. Like, have you ran a marathon? Are you training? I have not. That definitely is a goal of mine. I don't want to say I'm going to do it this year because every year I say I'm going to do it this year and I don't. Okay. But um, maybe I should set that goal. Maybe I should say next year. All right, you guys. I'm going to say it right here. Next year I am going to run the marathon. Yes. So, one of them. Some. You okay. got this. You got See you this. At the track. We have received a ton of questions from all of you, our wonderful listeners, using the hashtag LiveColorful. That's colorful with two L's. Please keep writing in. So we're going to answer some of your questions as part of each episode. We get a lot of notes in our inbox about the different kinds of money problems you're dealing with in your lives and relationships. So this week, let's actually get into what a money problem is and how do you fix it. Number one money problem that most people address is living paycheck to paycheck. What Ooh. do y'all think about this? Well, that was me, like, for, you know, a large part of my life. Well, it's just not you. 78% of full-time yeah. workers say that they live paycheck to paycheck, which is actually up in the United States. Mm-hmm. And 71% of all U.S. workers say that they have some amount of debt. So what was yeah. crazy to me is that living paycheck to paycheck would have been ideal at the time because I wasn't even doing that. I was living under paycheck. To under paycheck. So basically that that debt was piling up, piling up, piling up. And it felt like a mountain I was never going to get out of. So that was a really difficult situation for me. But that is one of the biggest money problems. Um, So what I ended up doing was, first of all, I had to make more money. So I did some side hustles. That's why I'm the queen of the side hustle. Because back then I realized that. I was, wasn't going to get out of that pile of debt without making more money. And yeah. So, mm-hmm. And I'm happy you mentioned that, Angela, like, because that's the mission of MyFab Finance is to help you beat the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck because it becomes a way of life for so many people. And some people, it really is an income issue. It is that you don't make enough money. And 71% mm-hmm. of U.S. workers say that they have some amount of debt, right? So because you have this debt, you're not able to save. And then once an emergency happens, you're creating more debt or borrowing from already, like, empty resources mm-hmm. to try to cover your financial needs. And sometimes you say, just forget it, man. I'm never getting out of this debt. I right. might as well just keep and going. you just YOLO it and you right. just keep burying yourself <laughs> in this know. hole. But here's, you know, something that we talked about a couple of episodes ago too, is that a lot, most American workers say that they cannot pay for a $500 emergency. emergency to have, that's why savings are essential. You know? And so it's like when, and I know that like the most of the people who listen to this show are millennials, right? And we have this attitude of like, well, we're young, things are going to change or we are going to live forever. For the we're worst, healthy, they're going to change for the worst. You know, and all these things. But it's like if you really start thinking about it, the habits that you have now, if you don't find a way to break them, like this is literally how we're going to live when we're in our 60s. Yeah, and, that's, and that was gets, my wake up call. And it gets scarier and scarier. Like when you're 21 and you don't have $500, that's a... It's a different proposition than when you're 30 and when you're 40, you know, and you have a family you and have you have kids. and kids. So it is really something that should be top of mind. And then that's how you become a financial burden on your kids. And then your kids aren't able to get ahead because mm-hmm. they're funding your lifestyle so they can't achieve their financial goals. So it just creates this cycle. Yeah, I had to be very proactive in figuring out how could I pay off those bills because it was very stressful to me. And I remember at the time I had um, my ex-boyfriend and he was having similar problems. So he just basically went hard at work, like working overtime, overtime, just mm-hmm. so he could get himself out of debt. Yeah. And what I did was I took on a lot of side projects, you know, writing and writing bios and things like that and getting extra checks, doing things. You know, sometimes you do have to be proactive. You can't just complain and be stressed out. Like now it's time to take some action. You got to find solutions. So definitely. Right. And then saving for retirement. Like, so we're talking about saving and me. saving for emergencies and saving for retirement are different. The Trans-American Center for Retirement Studies estimates that the medium savings for retirement or that the median retirement savings for millennials is $31,000. Like, 
that's that's not a New York salary. Like that's like yeah, you're not gonna, gonna live you. a year. That's not a year <laughs> in New York City. So you think know. about how many years you want to be retired. Like maybe Nebraska, that thirty-one thousand might get you a year. But it like most people have to think about what quality of life they want to have in retirement. And most of the time, it resembles the quality of life you had before retirement. Right, and, and also so, like we're living longer, right? So yeah. like, do you want to do you want to work forever, or do you want to work up until a certain point and then be healthy and enjoy your retirement? And also, we're paying into Social Security that we're probably never going to see yeah. in this generation. So that's another thing to think about. But, you know, the thing that I want to remind everybody is that we don't talk about this to, you know, all of this sounds really scary, but we don't talk about it from a place of shame because, mm-hmm. like we've told you, we have lived we've paycheck been to there. paycheck. Yep. I, if you saw my retirement situation even six months ago, like I was deathly ashamed of it. And that, you know, that's my goal this year of like, that's where I'm focusing my money. And interestingly enough, when I didn't make a lot of money, you know, I remember talking to a financial planner at the time and he was just like, listen, let's just set you up, you know, to get you a Roth IRA and just start putting a little bit of money away. And it actually did make a huge difference, mm-hmm. starting, you know, just to put even today, $50 a month. Starting small. Today. And start I think small that's the and thing. start today. Yeah, a lot of people think that they have to go big or go home. And it's like, no, you can start small, build your savings muscle, become more comfortable, find other ways to create more money. And then you can start to throw more towards and it financial feels good, goals. Like, just even mentally, it feels good to just see some money like, Growing. Accumulating. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, all of the, it sounds really unsurmountable, but if you don't start, you are not going to slay any of these dragons. Another huge money problem, and this is one that I 100% I like, I agree with, is poor purchasing and investment decisions. So impulse buying is a problem for a lot of us. It's a huge problem for me. I've talked so much on this show about how I'm an emotional buyer. And it's so easy nowadays, mm-hmm. too. You just go online, click, one, you get click. the Amazon, email, Amazon one click has both <laughs> saved and ruined my life. Yeah, I mean, like, Jeff Bezos is going to be fine, guys. Okay. Oh, he just, he just hit, like, the most wealthy <laughs> no. man in the world. Yeah. He's that's because I'm using one click. I'm out here buying everything from toilet paper to plates. You know, it's, it's, it is a blessing, but it's also a curse. Yeah, and right. online shopping after a certain hour when you're tired or stressed can be risky. So uh, do you guys have any rules around when you would spend money? Because I know one of my rules that I adapted is I ask myself questions before I buy something. Mm-hmm. So like, especially if it's a larger purchase, like, do I need this? Why am I buying this? Am I going to utilize this? What would? How would I feel if I did not buy this today? And what would happen if I didn't buy it today? My rule? is that like unless it's something that I cannot buy later so like concert tickets for example I'm I'm not allowed to shop during work hours <laughs> okay because that's when you know one I get sidetracked and I don't do my work and also it's that same feeling of I'm the kind of person that if I hold something long enough in my hand and I walk around the store I don't want it anymore so I found the way to do the online equivalent of that for me where I'm like ooh I'm looking at my cart right now but then I'm like actually if I don't check out with this, like, if I wait until 6 p.m., will it still be there? The mm-hmm. chances are 100%. Now, if tickets, now, if tickets to under run, too, then I'm definitely not getting right them. away. You know, like, yeah. that's a different situation. Like Amazon purchases and, you know, will be there days But when later. it comes to, like, clothes and shoes and, like, the stuff that I like to do, and even plane tickets, it's like just, this is my work time. So after work, I sit down and I'm like, what are all the things that I need to do? And I find a lot of times that that itch has already been scratched for me. And I also now I don't buy things when I'm sad or if I'm overly emotional Mm. because I realize that that's Mm -hmm. how I medicate. That's a trigger. I'm always like, oh, if I don't feel good buying something expensive, like that makes me feel better. And that's because I grew up really poor and and having things, it was a sense of security. And now I still do it even though I'm financially secure. So 
I need to find a way to break. That's good that you know your triggers. Angela, what about you? What are your... I was going to say that I do know myself and I know that I'm really bad at returning things, right? Like, I know if I buy something and it doesn't fit, I'm probably never going to return it. So, what I... That's my my superpower. I love returning things. I never return anything, right? So, my main thing is this. I try not to buy certain... Like, unless it's a a shoe designer that I know, you know, that I... um, It'll fit me. Mm -hmm. Then I can buy it. But certain clothes, I'm like, I don't know what this is going to look like and I know I'm never going to return it. So, if I can't go in and try it on then I'm not even going to bother to buy it because I know it'll just be a waste of money for me if it doesn't fit. And some things you could look at and say, okay, this looks awkward. Uh, this might look yeah. weird on. It might not. But certain designers, I know how it fits. If it's like a hoodie, you know, easy enough. But That's I just so know right. that I just don't buy something if I'm not 100% sure it's going to look the way that I anticipate. Especially yeah. online shopping. Like, I know I just took some clothes to the Goodwill and a few things were things that I had not shipped back <laughs> because they didn't fit me right and yeah. I just did not Y'all, feel like going to shipping I'm going to launch my service where I come over to everybody's house and return things. <laughs> no, and that's a good cut, idea. You should return Take it. a cut of it. That's my superpower. I love returning things. But, you know, I like talking about this stuff, it's, I talk to my therapist about this constantly because I I didn't realize how much of the way that I grew up still influences the way Mm -hmm. that I spend money today. Mm -hmm. So even this thing that I told you about, like being emotionally triggered by just, if I buy myself something nice, I lie to myself that I feel better, even though that's, you know, it's 100% not true. Or you might for the moment, like it's a temporary high. Exactly. It is a temporary high. So finding ways to actually address what is wrong with me is something that has been really useful in talking to a mental health professional, but also being really honest with myself And I also, you know, I had to come to a point, too, because I went through a phase where I love buying, like, just online clothes all the time. And, you know, some of that stuff is just cheap. Yeah. And and so much. And I really had to really come to have a come to Jesus where I said, okay, like, even my closet is an investment now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what is the difference between, like, spending $200 at Forever 21 and buying, like, so many things and actually going, what I need is, like, one nice work shirt and I need a nice pair of shoes and I need a nice pair of pants. And rethinking that relationship to my closet, I yeah. was like, okay, this is an investment in the life that I want. So I will buy jeans that are more expensive, but they will last longer. So quality not, over quantity. Right, quality over quantity. But even that is like a huge mental hurdle to get over because sometimes you just want a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like buying realize, things that aren't on sale. I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. hard for me. If yeah, it's not, it's on not sale, about it's sales not about the sale. For me. It's sales are trigger for me. As much as it's buying from a designer that you know, you know, like investing in like better in natural fibers versus just like buying garbage all the time. That's true. And really rethink. I had to rethink my entire relationship relationship to fast fashion and waiting for sample sales i found that that was a good way for me to save money is the way if there's a designer and their clothes are expensive kind of wait until until sample sales happen so that i can get um quality clothing at a more affordable and one more thing that i think has been working for me is that i do have like i have accumulated like a lot of things i'm not gonna lie but (laughs) successful (laughs) also because i'm like a hoarder but angela (laughs) here's the real thing is that there's a lot of things that you can make money off of you know, that you don't wear anymore, that yep. you're like, okay, you can I didn't sell really your clothes this. all the so, time. A good way to reward yourself is to sell some clothes, and then once you sell a certain amount of things, Go to say, okay, now I can buy myself, mm-hmm. you know, one item. And buy some things without money. Like, put that money right. towards something that's more of an investment piece. Because right. I think there are How many going out tops this one girl need? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, there are staple pieces. <laughs> well, what do you do if you think somebody important in your life has a money problem, but they don't see it and they don't agree? Ooh, that's touchy, right? That is very it's touchy. It's so touchy. It's so touchy. It's, yeah, you know, especially with me being a financial educator, like, it's... It, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, most it's, of the it's time... It's your whole day trying to be like, you know, how do I not tell this person that I, they're fool? You know, just watching them make financial mistakes, just like spending a day with them like, ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. But, you know, I've learned that, you know, making myself available and letting people know like that this is what I do and I mean because that's you know I'm a financial educator it's like whenever you want to talk to me about your spending habits and so forth like I'm I'm here do you to do, do that, that with friends and family though like Absolutely. you see them doing like just I'm a little less tactful with it like my husband always says he's like you have no tact because like I will pull a card and be like hey so I recognize I saw on your Instagram that you were doing this this and that and I just want to make sure that you have the rest of your finances I'm about in order. to block you on my Instagram like, no, seriously, I have friends. Like, it's true we need like, to talk about your I savings. have friends that will complain about not having money to like pay their rent and it's like but girl and then but then they go the and buy pair of shoes yes. they but you're on mm-hmm. vacation like what wait what <laughs> like and yeah. you're like but you're going out to expensive dinners and buying drinks and buying Yeezys and I'm like listen you can't complain about not having money for these things and then I see you just basically wasting money and but I, I, I needed the Yeezys okay <laughs> it was for a running club <laughs> it's, a, it's an investment but what I do like to do is point out to people because sometimes I think you know some of my friends who are younger than me they might look at me and say well Angela's doing this and she's doing that but I always right. tell them like there was a long period of time where I couldn't buy myself things and I couldn't go on vacations and it's a sacrifice in order to get to a certain space. So I know it can be sometimes for people it's a little bit daunting Mm -hmm. because... You see other people doing things and you're like, damn, I want to buy designer bags and I want to go on vacations. But I have to let people know it is a journey and it's a process. Like I've been working in radio for 15 years. And right. when like I you're first at started, the point where you can afford like, it. It was a complete struggle. So. You put in the work and that's a problem. A lot of people don't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And I know that when people ask me for, you know, if they don't ask me for financial advice, but I see them making certain mistakes, it is really just kind of just like letting people like always just keeping it. I think keeping space open and just letting people know I'm a resource whenever you need it Um, because people feel judged and that's why a lot of people don't talk about money if you come to them and like where they feel like they're being judged wherein it's kind of like hey I just want to make sure that you know coming to them like you're concerned you know I just want to make sure that you're financially prepared for if you were to lose your job or if something was (laughs) to happen like how prepared are you and then most of the time like Angela said they'll complain to you and ask you for money and for me if you ask me for money that is my end like if you ask me for money we're about to talk about your money because we don't need to have that dinner where like, it's going to ask we're having, about money We're today. having conversations oh, about money. Let's talk about You're like the number one person I want to ask money to because I know you got it. You opened the door, like, but I haven't always had it. I really appreciate both of you talking about your strategies because I know that talking to people about serious money things, you know, unless it's like my partner or something, it's really hard. And I have found that the way that I deal with it is I just tell them what I'm struggling with. And a lot of times that opens up the conversation where I can say like, hey, like I noticed that my spending is out of control this month or whatever. And so you give them an opportunity to share if they don't want to. But to that end, I think that the thing that has put my own, like the full picture of my finances in front of me is that I'm an obsessive like spending tracker now. So I see where every penny of my money goes every single day. I look every week to see how much money I spent week over week. And uh, I do it like old school with uh, with a spreadsheet. But that was just seeing because, you know, sometimes, you know, like you just know how you're spending money. But if you see the cold numbers, Mm -hmm. it can shock you. 
And when I realized like how much money I was spending on lunch <laughs> and how, you know, and like You can make Jola for us every day. We won't have to pay <laughs> any money. <laughs> Angela started Jola fun. Angela Angela is clowning me. But you know, it's like when I thought about that or like the fact that every morning before I got to the train, I spent $20 on breakfast and all of these things or the way that I would just spend too much money on flights. It was, that was really easy to see. And now for my business, I have a bookkeeper. So I have somebody who sends me those numbers like every single month and says, here's what we're spending on rent. Here's what we're spending on office supplies, X, Y, Z. And it's better to have that information than not and just live in shame that you're doing the wrong thing or feel that you can intuit that you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, and also keeping track of a spending diary or so forth. Like I created a product called the Financial Success Planner to help people organize their finances to track their spending because so many times we're not writing it down and I'm a write it down person. Mm-hmm. Like I am not, I need to write it down. I like to cross things out. I like to like mm-hmm. erase and subtract and everything else. And for some people that helps them take more control over their spending and their financial decisions. And there are also apps that you can use. Uh, you can look in the A lot of app. free budgeting software. Yeah. Free apps. Google whichever one works for you. But if I were you, I would look into Tanya's system. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It, it works and it comes Wait, from someone who struggled. It it's a financial success planner. And Where can really, we find it? On myfatfinance.com. Of course. It's Love a it. bestseller. It's Listen, one of our bestsellers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, I will say, just like you, I check mine like every single day. I check my bank accounts just because I want to make sure. And I have um, everything that you, um, to protect my identity so mm-hmm. I can make sure that yeah. nobody's like, because I have had issues before with people opening accounts in my name and just to make sure that my credit is where it needs to be and mm-hmm. all of that. So I keep track of everything. And get alerts. It's like if you're mm-hmm. under $1,000, if you're under $500, get an alert. If you overdraft, get an alert. Like, don't be caught, you know. Yes. You need to, you need, anytime you swipe your card, you need to know there is money in your account. Like, I always <laughs> say stop playing peekaboo with your money because so many people are playing hide-and-go-seek with their money and then you get all these expensive fees and it can be avoided. So I definitely agree. One of our listeners asked us, even though I created a budget, it's so hard to stick to. What are some tools I can use and stick to my budget without cutting out all the activities I love so much? Well, I have a brand called MyFab Finance because I don't believe in deprivation as a financial freedom tool. I think that sometimes you'll revolt and end up, you know, doing the opposite, the exact opposite. So a few ways that you can work to improve your financial behavior today um, is staying aware. Like we were saying, knowledge is power when it comes to your money matters. So logging into your online bank account and checking accounts daily or on a weekly basis to keep yourself on track is extremely helpful. Also, keeping the change, rounding up every transaction to the nearest dollar. And there's so many apps that will do that for yeah. you also where you just hook them up to your bank account and they will round up keep that money next thing you know you got enough money for a Jamaica vacation <laughs> yeah you can invest that difference or you can put it in a savings account for a well purchase. I have a um I have actually a huge piggy bank in my house. Mm-hmm. It's humongous. I bought it in Chinatown, right? And what I do is I actually drop all my loose change and sometimes dollars. And when my friends come over, you know, I tell them it's good luck if they put money in there. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is how Angela has real. Real. this is how Angela has bought four homes. <laughs> that's like, like it's from the loose change of everybody huge, that's come through her house. Huge piggy bank, right? Wow. It's the Apollo stuff. It's like wow. the Apollo stuff. Like, drop a little money in the wishing well. Come in here, make a wish, baby. Yeah, Angela's out here being like four houses the piggy I bank takes it. 20s it takes I love it I'm putting one it. by my door I'm taking that I love I it I love it listen you need to learn how to cook for yourself instead of eating out all the time 
you you know it's actually healthier for you yeah, anyway. It's yeah. healthier for you, but you will be shocked at how much cheaper it is. And you know you will what? Be shocked. You know what I used to do? I used to say, "Well, you know, I'm just cooking for myself. I live by myself." But now it's actually great because I cook one thing and I eat it for like three days. Exactly. Yeah, you, you do meal prep. You do meal prep on Sundays and you eat. And for the price of like two lunches, you can eat for the whole week. Especially if you live in New York, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of. Y'all, not me, because Y'all. I'm a child of God and I don't drink coffee. <laughs> the rest of you who do drink coffee and consider it an essential part of your life, you can like start thinking about, you know, like where, how much, how much money do you actually need to spend on that habit every day? And I drink so, green tea every morning, so instead of getting it, um, you know, at the store downstairs from my job, I will actually bring in a whole pack of green tea, mm-hmm. and I get a nice fancy one, but it's still way, way, way cheaper yes. than buying a green tea every day. I just make it myself at work, right. and I bring my own ginger in, and I put ginger, fresh ginger in it, and it tastes way better than any tea. And you can also, you can also ask your job if they'll provide coffee for you every day. It's some jobs the, will, yeah, and some. Some jobs really will. If that's the perk that will get you in earlier and get you to not leave five times a day, they will 100% do that for you. So and I don't be re- afraid to ask your job also. I replace coffee with just lemon wedges and hot water. Mm-hmm. And it Love like it. gives you energy. It cleans your system out and everything. Better so yeah, and it, you know, lemons are super cheap, you know? Mm-hmm. So just also... Read, uh, I guess, reevaluating like how important is coffee to you? What is it doing to your body? Are there healthier op- options that are more? And cost I tell effective? people, you know, I do own a juice bar, and of course, I want people to come to the juice bar. But we have everything on the menu, so you can make those things at home too. So imagine, so you yeah. know, yeah. even buying things in bulk and knowing that, like, okay, I can make my own smoothie at home is way cheaper than going to a juice bar every mm-hmm. single day to get 100%. what it is that you need. And sometimes that could be an entire meal replacement and. You know, since I said buying things in bulk, uh, not only does that apply to fruits and vegetables, but listen, toilet paper, paper towels, huge detergents, all of those things. I don't play. I buy everything in bulk. Same, 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 same. I like I love it. It's the best, especially for all of those staples, like even just, you know, like oats, all of that stuff. And even getting a water filter at home instead of like buying bottled water all the time which can be really expensive and not that great for the environment anyway. And one of the things we did, we got one of those super big, I, I don't know how many gallons it is, but one of those extremely big gallon jugs of water and then oh, we just I get it filled that. with alkaline water. Mm-hmm. And it's like $5 to fill that thing up with alkaline water and it lasts us, you know, a week and a half versus getting bottles of water every day that would cost us maybe 20 something dollars for a case of it. Right. And here's the thing, if there's stuff that you buy every all the time, like toilet paper, mm-hmm. like toothpaste, like paper yeah. towels, Who doesn't that use stuff, toilet paper? You should get <laughs> oh. <laughs> point them out. <laughs> Who, um, you should use subscribe and save. Reuse that toilet I, paper. <laughs> reuse that toilet paper. And I'm judging. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I would definitely judge in that case. <laughs> Listen, you can just subscribe and save. I subscribe and save for so much stuff and the stuff just shows up automatically at my house now. It's like every three months that, you know, like there's the tea I use, the paper towels I use and that way you just do it one time. It's not that big of a deal and you get to, you get to save money. You can also pare back your social budget. I know that that sounds like we're asking you to deprive yourself, but that's not what's going on here. Going out is a scam. So you need to decide how you can have a good time. You said it's and a no, scam. It is a scam. It's, you know, because the thing is that like sometimes you're like, actually, all I want to see is my friends. Right. It's not that yeah, I want to spend. I don't want to spend like a hundred dollars. When I did out. my cleanse, I saved so much money because yeah. I'm so used to like, I guess I'll go out for a drink for or dinner, I'll go get yeah. something right. to eat even though I'm not hungry. <laughs> even also, though I don't feel like it's having It's also a the drink. kind of thing, you know, like in friend groups and you learn this like so early on. It is 
you will be a good person to the rest of your friends if you figure out group activities that people can do that are cheaper. Yeah. Because sometimes a lot of the people who actually could benefit from that, they're too embarrassed to tell you. And you can't. Yeah, that's true. So instead of keeping up with the Joneses, you should just assume, I'm like, if you're a big friend circle, there are a lot of, like, they're all, they're just like you. They have a lot of debt. They have obligations. Nobody wants to spend a lot of money, but what you really want to do is hang out together. So sometimes that means, like, Cut out the night at the bar. Sometimes it's happy bring. hour. Sometimes right. it's just yeah, it's, sometimes it's imagine that how crazy that is that the same exact drink that costs uh, twelve dollars after seven p.m. is five dollars before that. Miraculously, right. they and, found a way to cut know, those costs. On this episode, we talked about money problems, tracking spending, and small financial actions you can take that make a big impact. This week, we're talking to Julian and Kirsten, who run the Rich and Regular blog. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, You both have been really open with your readers about your personal finance journeys. When you first met, what were some of the challenges around talking openly and honestly about money with each other? Yeah, so for me, this is Kirsten. uh, For me, one of the biggest challenges was that I had a huge amount of debt that I was coming into the relationship with. And Julian was very much anti-debt. And he made that very clear from... Early on in the relationship. Wow, Julian playing hard to get. (laughs) He did. He was pretty harsh. (laughs) Pretty harsh with his stance. (laughs) And so um, discussing all of these bad decisions that I had made was was tough. I mean, I had presented myself as this catch of a woman. (laughs) You're still a catch. Yes, even with your death. There's just a catch with that catch. Yeah, I was a catch with with a little bit of baggage. That's all. How honest were you, though? Very honest. Um, I needed his help, honestly. And so the only way to get that in a real meaningful way was to be completely honest. And the minute I laid out all the numbers on the page, the first thing he said was, in a couple of years, you're going to laugh about the fact that you were so upset over this amount of money. Wow. Because he really made it seem actionable and doable and, you know, allowed me to take control over paying things off. Julian, what did you think when, you, when Kirsten laid everything out on the table as far as her finances? Uh, you know, actually, exactly what she just said. Um, I mean, it was, you know, I don't want to sound bougie, but I mean, I want to say it was about $9,000 or something like that. It might wow. have been a little bit more. Um, and to some people that, like, so you said, oh, like, that's a little bit. Like, I know, but like, it, oh, it, it, I had that in my it depends, it, depends <laughs> what, oh. it depends what season of your life you're in. When that's I, true. When I was out of college, $9,000, I probably that's had a heart attack. True. It is, you know it is all relative. And now right. I'm like, I pay New York City rent. Like, right. $9,000 is like two months. Right. That's two months rent and a Metro card. Like, got it. Hey, or, or a good night in Atlanta. You know, <laughs> if, if you've been here. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was it wasn't really about the amount. It was about what it would take to kind of get her to change her thoughts uh, and thinking around what uh, that debt represented and the role that it would play in her life. And so that was the bigger issue to me. Um, and obviously she showed that she knew how to handle that, kind of adjust her thinking. I adjusted my thinking in a lot of ways, too. And, and, and so far, things have worked out. How did yeah, you, how did you decide that. that it was the right time to talk about it? Was it part of like wanting to grow in your relationship? Did you feel like you had to disclose it pretty quickly up front? Because we do get a lot of questions about this. Like, when do you tell your partner, you know, like what part of, like what part of the growth journey? Does right, and who brings to? it up? Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, it was because I wanted to grow in our relationship. Julian made it very clear. And I was <laughs> about this. <laughs> he, he said, look, he girl. Would not have dated me. He would not have dated me if he knew I had debt. Like, it was that personal to him 
And although it was like $9,000, it was $9,000 that wasn't shrinking and that was actually growing at a 30% interest rate because it was, you know, credit cards. So, yeah. yeah. It's the kind of 9000 that you pay every month, but doesn't ever go anywhere. Yeah, it just doesn't um, budge. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah, was the so, multi-year plan that you guys came up with to cut out the debt and start building wealth? Yeah, so we are uh, proud uh, members of, of what's called the FIRE movement. Uh, and FIRE is an acronym for financial independence, retire early. And basically, uh, it's, it, it's rethinking the way that you save uh, for retirement. And so everybody... Uh, should know that if you save, let's say the rule of thumb is 10 to 15 percent over a 30 year career over time, that money grows and you have a pretty nice nest egg uh, when it's all said and done. That's the marathon approach. Uh, we wanted to be more like sprinters. And so we were not interested uh, in a 20, 30 or 40 year career. We wanted to really shrink that timeline. And so instead of uh, saving 10 or 15 percent, we've saved upwards of 50, 60 and in some cases, 70 percent of our income over a shorter period of time. And what that allows us to do is to build that nest egg. But then it also allows the market to let that nest egg grow and pound and basically do all the work for us instead of us trying to chip away at it 10 or 15 percent at a time. Absolutely. And so and, you know, I love you guys. I, you know, I get to see a lot of financial people come up through the ranks, but I definitely love you guys. I love the name rich and regular because that's my goal. I always tell people my goal is to have like a three year old iPhone or like a four or five year old iPhone and be rich as hell. So people are just <laughs> yeah. like, people are just like, she With has a crack old. Screen. Yeah. But it's like, but I'm rich. Okay. So wow. what does right. rich and regular mean this to you guys? This is how rich people stay rich. Y'all exactly. are not spending yeah. your money. <laughs> so yeah. What does that yeah. mean to you? It's kind of like the love child between the book Millionaire Next Door and the daddy from Everybody uh, Hates Chris. <laughs> Where it, in order to, you know, being rich is not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep. And there's this idea that once you're rich, you're removed from problems or you're, you know, you isolate yourself socially. And that's just not us. Like there are rich people walking among us every single day and. Um, it's really about kind of reframing what it means to be rich and de- taking control of that definition. And then also talking about regular people issues. You know, um, what? like, you know, we have a oh, go ahead. I was going to say uh, one thing that you guys talk about, and this is something that has always been kind of like a, a conflict to me in my head. You talk about paying off your mortgage, right? What made yeah. you guys decide to to pay off your mortgage? Because some people will tell you, well, you could be using that money to invest in other things. But then the the burden of having that debt is a lot to me, you know. So what made you guys decide to pay off your mortgage? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take credit for it, even though I didn't create the, 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 the term. But um, it, it's honestly, it's the ultimate luxury purchase, right? I mean, what we purchased was our freedom. We purchased our ability to walk away from a toxic situation uh, because ultimately we knew that we owned the home that we lived in. And so when you don't have that kind of freedom, you are essentially bound by the person that is essentially cutting you your paycheck. Uh, and we just didn't want to be in that situation. The other side of that coin, uh, and not to be a hopeless romantic, is that we really enjoy uh, in, in each other. We enjoy spending our time together. Um, and again, you know, you don't really get an opportunity to do that a lot when you're tied to a desk or when you are uh, tied to a bank that essentially is is holding um, a note over your head. And so for us, it was about removing um, financial issues, removing basically all of those big 
uh, issues off the table as it relates to our marriage. And so whether it was debt or whether it was a mortgage or uh, soon a job, we didn't want to have to deal with any of that, that stuff so that we could just spend more time together uh, and build the life that we want for ourselves. That is the most romantic financial advice <laughs> anybody is ever going to hear. And I'm like, mm, it's so let me find a man to pay off this million dollar house in Brooklyn. I know. <laughs> Julian, when you're, ready right. to, when you're ready to run a dating service, please let me know. I will sign up. <laughs> um... We talk a lot um, about the importance of building and protecting credit in this episode. What are some of the strategies and the tools that you have used? Yeah, it's really just a matter of staying consistent. Um, And I think today you have so many apps. I'm not going to give anybody any free plugs, but there are so many apps out there (laughs) um, that you can use that really do the work for you. Right. And so if you're that person that really is tethered to your phone or you're an email junkie, there's plenty of tools out there that you can use. Um, but I would also say, just keep in mind the nature of that relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like they are not your friend at all. Like they, they signed you up for the, like, yeah, I mean, I they signed you up for the okie doke <laughs> from 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 Jump Street, and so um, you know, we just wanted to, you know, I, I would definitely say that just being clear on the terms and understanding what kind of relationship you have with your creditor, your bank, or or, or the credit card company. Yeah, I always say credit is about your relationship with debt. It is not about your financial responsibility. It's how you borrow and leverage and utilize debt. And it doesn't, some people, it doesn't serve them to be focused on their credit because they want to live a debt-free existence. Julian, what are some things you learned about finances from Kirsten? Ooh, that's a great question. Enjoy life. (laughs) You already pulled out your romantic answer, and now you're going to have to give some real. Hey, relax. Live a little. They're looking at each other right now like, ooh. That's a great great question, right? I want to say it was Tyler Perry that uh, that just did that little video where he had bought the Tesla for Tiffany Haddish. And he was talking to her about, you know, when you grow up poor, and he didn't say that, but I interpreted it as when you grow up poor and you don't have it like that, you know, you stay tight for a really, really long time, even until when you actually have it, you still tight. Mm-hmm. And so what she taught me is that it's okay to go ahead and splurge. You work hard. Uh, you deserve it. And so for us, it was a matter of saying, all right, how do we align our spending with our values? And so mm-hmm. there are going to be some days where I'm not going to be willing to spend $20 for something that doesn't mean anything to me, but I'll drop 10 times that you know, on a really great bottle of wine if it's worth it and we're having a great celebration, right? And so, you know, that's that's the lesson that I learned from her. She uh she upgraded me in that in that regard. Hey. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cute. that's so, that's so important. You know, I I love that you mentioned that because I know that for me I've definitely felt sometimes that all of this saving and being financially prudent or whatever, it just feels like a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And then when you're reminded that actually you're doing it for, for reasons that, you know, that you can take a little bit of pleasure in, in your own freedom. You see my or fabulous shoes yourself. and bag today. <laughs> <laughs> I know Angela is like all decked out today. So this is not a problem. I got on sweats. I got on sweats, but I have a designer <laughs> shoes and bag <laughs> and matching bag. <laughs> oh my God. It's okay, though, because you also make good financial decisions. And that is important to understand that, like, you also make money to enjoy and make good financial decisions to enjoy life and the things that you want. And the purpose of becoming financially secure is that you can so that you can spend on things that you want and so you can spend on things that you care about and add to the quality of your life without worry. And experiences, too, are so important, like vacations that you can take together and things that 
I ball out on vacations. Like, I'm financially fabulous, too. but I ball out on vacations. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't need to buy clothes or shoes, but I will take that trip. Experiences are a lifetime. Time. Experience over things. Exactly. Kirsten, you had a post where you talked about the concept of being financially woke. Can you share with our listeners some of the ways that your journey to financial independence has made you more aware of your own money habits? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I I think I'm more sensitive to marketing right now oh, where um, <laughs> I've learned to uh, trust rich people, not salespeople. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that are selling that things that, yeah, that they haven't lived themselves. And there's value in that in some instances, but when it comes to financial services and, um, you know, even some of the personal finance blogs, you really want someone who's kind of done it before that can answer very specific questions. Right. So I always like people like Tanya who have uh, gone through their own path and, you know, walk it like they talk it. Now, Kirsten, you, but... you once wrote that your life changed when you realized that your money can work harder than you can, which is True. a very powerful sentiment. Can you break that down for us? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's hard for in today's society, women to be optimistic about anything that doesn't involve either having a baby or having a man or a Ooh. spouse. Now you um, broke into our email because right. that's we literally what that. we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and and good money management is one of those sweet spots in life where you can sort of mathematically calculate what kind of future you want just on your own. You have the power and the freedom to craft a life that's meaningful for you. And it doesn't involve some of these other milestones that, you know, you're sort of pressured into or boxed into in, in society. And so once I realized that, once I realized that I don't have to, you know, do the lean in narrative or the stay at home mom narrative or the trophy wife narrative or some of these other prevailing social narratives, I got excited. Like it was the first time where I was truly, truly excited about what kind of life I could build. And it felt differently than kind of what I was seeing in all of the prevailing media spaces. I love that. I love that. You know, the thing that this conversation and also talking to Julia and Kirsten just reminds me is how much money is so emotional. Mm -hmm. There's not a there's not a one size fits all for everyone. I so just even realized if you hear, I can't marry Tanya. I know. <laughs> you know, Listen, and it's relative. I'm trying to get no, Julian it's... to find me a husband. So. I know he cooks. <laughs> Julian used to be a chef. Listen, Julian needs to open up a date in school, okay? Julian, listen, when this when this whole money management thing, like if that doesn't work out for you, we have like 10 business ideas that you could go in. And Kirsten can be our Let's coach. Do it. It's all good. Thank you so much for joining us, y'all. Please let our listeners know where they can connect with you online. We're at www.richandregular.com. And then we're at, at Rich and Regular on IG and Twitter. Thank we're you so much. Have a great day, you guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank Bye. you. That's all the time we got this week, Shmoney team. For more info on small financial actions to change your financial behavior, visit letstarttoday.com and search small goals, big wins. And continue to send us your questions and comments on social media. Use that hashtag livecolorful with two L's at the end of colorful. And we might use them on an upcoming episode. And you can also email us at colorfullivespod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail on the Colorful Lifeline at 646-580-0576. 
And if we use your question, we'll send you a copy of my best-selling new book, The Money Manual, as a special thank you. We'll have new episodes dropping every Wednesday all summer long. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud to be the first to hear brand new episodes when they drop. Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a Loudspeakers Studios production. Our executive producers are Matt Raz and Chris Murrow. The show is engineered and edited by Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other Loudspeakers podcasts, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Instagram. 